This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. I realized the other day that many of you have probably stumbled across this podcast while you're out looking for an investing podcast. Given the name that it's the Value Investor Podcast, so you decided to click on it and see what we're all about. So you've been listening to me talk about the Zacks rank and how I use it in the various screens, but many of you probably don't know what it even is. Like, what is that that she keeps talking about? So in this episode, I'm going to talk about what the rank is what's good about it and what's bad about it because it does have some flaws and why I use it in my screens. And then I'm going to screens for some value stocks using it like I always do. But I do think the Zach's rank is worth learning about because it does give me an edge here on this podcast when I'm screening for stocks. And I think some of you could find it useful for your own screens too. So what is the Zacks rank? Um, It's a stock ranking system that uses the power of earnings estimates. Now it's been in use since the mid 1980s. I think our data goes back to 1988. So it's been a while. And so that's good because it has a track record and people have been able to test it and use it during a variety of different conditions, obviously both market bulls and market bears, including the severe bears like the Great Recession. Um, We've been using it and tracking all the data from those eras. And since 1988, the Zacks rank number ones, which is the top rank, those are the strong buys, that's beat the S&P 500 25 of the last 30 years where we have our data. So that's a pretty good track record. Now, no one expects you to repeat that performance because there's usually around 210 to 215 Zacks number one rank stocks. So you'd have to buy them all. And then you'd have to buy them as the Zacks rank changes, which it can daily. So that's another thing to keep in mind. The Zacks rank is a daily ranking system. And so as the estimates change, so can the rank. So I'm not out here advocating that you should be buying all, you know, 200 plus Zacks number one rank stocks. But you can, as I said, use it in your screens to really narrow and get better, what I consider to be better stocks when you're screening. So where does the rank come from? So Zacks gets their estimates, our consensus estimates, from analysts. And these are the ones you would know. So we get data in from over 3,000 analysts at 150 brokerages. And so it's not our own analysts that are making the Zacks rank. It's outside analysts. And we get estimates on over 4,400 stocks. So as long as a company has at least one analyst estimate, it usually has a rank. So why are the estimates important? And we use these because rising earnings estimates usually indicate something positive is going on at the company. And institutional investors 
um, you know, at the big funds and places like that, they'll trade on the increase in an analyst estimate. So for example, we've all seen this when an analyst comes out with a big increase in earnings estimates for the year, you know, they up their earnings estimates. A stock usually gets a pop. You usually see that on stock twits. Someone will put out like a link to the analyst's note that they're raising their full year guidance, their full full year estimate um, on the on the on the stock, and then suddenly it's going higher. That's when the institutional investors are trading on that change in the estimate. And you also see it when those estimates are lowered because usually the stock tends to fall when that happens. So right now, think about Apple and what's going on there. So the analysts are worried about slowing iPhone sales and many of them are now cutting full year earnings estimates for this year and some for next year based on modeling that, that there's a slowdown in that. And so what has happened to the stock price since some of those cuts have been coming in, it's fallen. So you can kind of see where the cuts and also the increases can play a factor in how a stock moves and how it trades. So what the Zacks rank isn't, and I want to emphasize this because a lot of you get it wrong and you tweet at me and you're like, oh, Zacks has a strong sell on whatever company it is. You, By the way, no one ever complains to me about the strong buys. They always complain to me about the strong sells. It's not a sell like an analyst sell. The Zacks rank is not that. It's not our own analysts sitting in a room modeling, looking at the fundamentals, listening to the conference calls, and then putting a strong sell on. The rank is computer generated based on other outside analyst estimates from the brokerages. So that's why it changes daily. And that's why some of your favorite stocks can suddenly have a number five strong sell. So um, let's go over what how many ranks there are and how that works. So there are just five ranks, one through five. Number ones are the strong buys, and that's the top rank you can have. Now, this is just the top 5% of all the stocks that we rank. Number twos are the buys, and this is the next 15% of the stocks. So combined, the ones and the twos make up 20% of our coverage. Number three is the hold, and that's 60%. So much like the C grade you get in school where if you're on a bell curve, the vast majority are in that C category, that is what is happening here. So 60% are in the hold, and that's those are expected to perform in line with the market, basically. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just you know in line. So nothing wrong with the threes. Number four is when you get the cells and just it's the flip of the buys and the strong buys. That's 15% are fours and 5% are the number fives, which are the strong sells. Something pretty um, dramatic usually is going on to get you the number five. That means a lot of analysts are cutting for some reason. It's a little bit easier to get the fours and I'll explain that a little bit later, but the fives, it's not that easy to be in that bottom 5%. So I always take a little bit stronger look at the number fives um, if I own one in my own portfolio that I run here at Saks. So what factors are made up in the rank. It's, it is the estimates, but it's not just, oh, there's the estimate. It's a group of things. So 
the, there's four factors. The first one is the agreement of the analysts. Are they all raising? Are they all cutting? Do they all are they all moving in the same direction? So that's a factor in it. The second factor is the magnitude of that revision. So how badly are the Apple analysts cutting? Are they only cutting for this year by five cents? Are they cutting for 50 cents? That matters on how big that is. Same on the flip side, it matters on how much they increase their estimate if they're revising higher. Number three is the upside, and that is the difference between what we call the most accurate estimate and the consensus estimate. So um, that's something that is taken into the formula. And then the fourth factor is the surprises, and that looks at the last few quarters of the beat and the miss to see what its track record is like on um, the company of beating or missing on that. So those four factors go into the rank. And it is, again, the analysts at the brokerages, their estimates that determine the rank. So all this sounds kind of easy, right? Like, oh, that's easy. And for those of you who like a system, a stock trading system for when you trade or you invest, the Zach's rank sounds pretty good. It sounds great to those people. Now, I know not all of you like having system trading, and that's okay too. So a lot of you are the ones who tweet at me, um, arguing with me about the Zach's rank and its system, and sometimes when it does fail, because it does, and it has its own peculiarities and its weaknesses, which we're always very open about because I've been using it for 11 years and I've seen these weaknesses and peculiarities many, many times. But as long as you know that they are there, then you can account for those too. So here's three of the weaknesses because these are ones that I've seen come up over and over. So you should keep these in mind. Okay, so a first weakness of the system is that the fewer analysts you have, the less reliable the rank. And why does that make any sense? So you might have a small cap company that only has one analyst following it. So there's just one estimate that we have. That's just one analyst's opinion. So there's really no consensus there. And they may or may not get it right, especially in a small company when there's less information available. So you could have the company missing every quarter on the estimate for that reason, because that analyst just doesn't have a model in place that gets them close enough to what the company is going to be doing. And a whole host of other things that make it just less reliable with the ones with only one estimate. So keep that in mind if you're looking at a stock on Zacks.com and it only has the one estimate on there, especially the small caps, that the rank is a little less reliable there. Um, the second weakness is, is that the estimates actually do age out. And so therefore, if you have a company reporting and the analyst changes their estimate like the day after that report and then does not do anything else to the estimates for the rest of the quarter, heading into the next earnings report, that 
that revised estimate tends to basically fall off the screen, (laughs) falls outside of the rank. And so you get a lot of stocks that may fall to a Zach's rank number four sell for this reason, even though when you look at the estimate changes, nothing has changed. So I get a lot of questions about this, like, why is my stock of four suddenly? And then I'll look at it And I'll see that there's no changes. So then I'm like, huh, I wonder why it's a four. But then I'll see that it's going to report earnings again, either that week or maybe the week after this person writes me and asks me why it's fallen to a four. So those, it's a little bit uh, wacky when that happens. So the Zach's four sell is kind of a false signal there is what I would call it. So I tend to not be as concerned with the drop in the rank right before the earnings announcement. So you might want to keep that in mind too. And then the third weakness really is about using the Zach's ranks in industries or sectors with a sudden business change Um, especially on the commodity side. So we saw this in the 2014-2015 oil plunge, and we could be seeing it happen here again in 2019 because the analysts are loath to cut estimates ahead of an earnings report um, or an investor day. Either way, they're loath to cut ahead of of the report. So they will wait until the company itself issues the guidance and then they will revise. That makes sense, right? Because now they have the information. Before they might get it wrong. What if they cut and then it's much better than what they thought? They'll look kind of lame, in other words. So they tend not to do it. But um, in cases where commodity has seen a big plunge like energy, you're going to have an issue with the earnings going forward if that price plunge stays where it is, or if you have an agricultural crop or something, or fertilizer prices that plunge down. The analysts are still going to be delayed in cutting. They just are. They're going to wait to hear from the company about how bad it is and how much of a hit it's going to take to earnings, and then they'll revise. So on companies like that or in industries where there might be some kind of sudden big business change, you're going to have a delay in the Zach's rank. So we saw this again in 2014, um, 2015, that in the energy stocks, the rank stayed really high. We still had ones and twos, even as the stock prices are plunging, the earnings estimates kind of stayed elevated. And then finally, the the oil companies reported earnings. Yes, it's bad. Yes, we have to cut. We may be cutting production included and earnings are going to be down. And then the analysts adjust. And then you get all these fours and fives in that sector in energy And then already the stocks had hit bottom and were like rebounding. So that's one thing definitely to keep in mind with these kind of cyclical plays or commodity type plays that the rank is a backward looking indicator to some extent because it's dependent on the analysts. So um, keep that all in mind. These are some of the weaknesses that I've encountered. So while you're using it, um, you want to know kind of where you stand Uh, One other thing to keep in mind, too, that most people don't realize is the rank is a short-term recommendation. It's just one to three months, and that's because you're getting these changes in the analyst estimates basically every quarter. So the rank, while it can change daily, definitely changes a lot during earnings season. So some of your favorite stocks may fall to a number five Um, On a short-term basis, that's what this is. So it's harder for long-term investors to use the rank 
as like a buy and sell indicator. I still use it to look at my long-term holdings and I still use it to gauge what those estimates are doing, but it's still hard to be a long-term investor in these. And, you know, like I said, I get a lot of the hate tweets when this happens, when their favorite tech stock in particular falls to a number five strong sells. We've seen Amazon and even Facebook in the recent years fall down to a number five strong sell because those estimates were cut. And then it's rebounded off of that because, like I said, it can change daily. And let's look at another one right now, real fan favorite that I noticed had fallen to a number five strong sell, and that is NVIDIA. So the ticker there, NVDA. And if you look at those estimates, you can see why it's a number five. So you can look at the detailed estimates on NVIDIA on Zax.com, and you'll see that we have 13 estimates that have been cut for fiscal 2019 now, and 12 of those have also been cut for fiscal 2020. This is all in the last two months. As changes to the semiconductor industry have happened, the analysts have gone ahead and cut estimates for a lot of the semis. And um, so you're seeing those estimate cuts there. There have been no revision increases. So no analysts are actually raising their estimate in that 60-day time period. They're only cutting. So looking at the rank there, it's not surprising because all the analysts are in agreement here and they're all cutting. They're all going lower. And it's pretty significant cuts too. So for fiscal 2019, the Zach's consensus is now at $7.24, $7.24. It was at $7.90 just 60 days ago. So that's pretty significant cut there. And fiscal 2020, same thing, a little bit bigger actually. $7.07 is what's expected now for fiscal 2020. It was at $8.59 just two months ago. So analysts a little more gloomy there on next fiscal year. So we have... Full year, both full years are falling, and so you're going to get the number five. And I know some of you are going to tweet at me, you know, oh, but Tracy, look at all the the uses in AI and crypto and blockchain and NVIDIA's best in class. The Zach's rank doesn't care. It doesn't look at any of that. The analysts do, and the analysts are formulating and using that in what they're deciding to do and... Um, all of that, but the fundamentals as that stuff that you're considering doesn't matter to the Zach's rank. It only cares about the estimate revisions that are going on. So if you care about fundamentals, you might want to combine that kind of analysis with the Zach's rank. And that makes sense because that's what we do a lot of times on our screens here on the Value Investor Podcast, where we're using the rank in addition to other things, value fundamentals, plus just maybe outlook for the industry. We also have an industry rank that um, also works kind of similarly, but on an industry level. So you might want to combine an individual's, you know, the Zach's rank on stocks with the industry rank too, to see what's going on in certain industries. I didn't look up the industry on the semiconductors, but I have a feeling it's probably pretty far down on the, on the industry ranks there is at the bottom of the industry rank, given what is happening to the estimates on most of the, those companies right now. So um, this is pretty powerful, extra little juice to a lot of screens. That's why I like to use it. Um, the Zach's rank or the industry rank, both are an extra little side 
um, boost that you otherwise might not get and that a lot of other traders and investors are not using. And I like to get those rising earnings estimates, which the rank usually gives you, because that means something at least decent is going on there and that the analysts are feeling a little more optimistic about the company. So let's use this in a screen and see what we're getting here on value because um, it is a powerful tool, like I said, and I use it in all of my screens. So I'm going to look for classic value this week, and we've done this numerous times. This is the most narrow of the value screens, though, because remember, classic value is all the big fundamental indicators combined into one. So we're not going to get as many stocks using this one. So what does it include? It includes PE, uh, price to sales ratio, price to book, price to cash flow, and the peg. So we're getting super cheap plus the cash flow issue, plus the growth. That's very narrow. Then I'm going to tack on both number ones and number twos. I felt like it would be too narrow to just to go for the number ones. That's just 5% of the stocks. It's already going to be a narrow enough screen as it is. So I'm going to do ones and twos. And um, hopefully that'll get us some names. And running the screen right now, with this pullback happening in the market, we did get 24 stocks that came through. So that's not as bad as I thought. I have run the screen in the past where I've only gotten seven, five to seven, in fact. So 24 is a little bit better here. And I didn't include a market cap on this one, though, so that this is going to include some of the smaller caps, which are going to be more volatile and maybe have fewer analysts covering them. So maybe that's how we also got in a few more stocks this time is that there's no market cap here. So let's jump right in and see like what this returned. There's some interesting stocks this time. And this is another thing that you all have to do. The screen is not enough. You have to look into what it is that, you know, it's popping out at you here. Um, because while this is screening for a lot of good things, you still have to know the behind the scenes story. So the first stock is Colfax. It's ticker CFX. This is a smaller mid cap, I would say. It has a $2.4 billion market cap. Now, their website describes them as a diversified tech company that provides fabrication technology and air and gas handling products to customers around the world. So that seemed kind of like a weird mix because I'm not as familiar with Colfax when I was, uh, you know, making up my notes for this episode. And so I had to dig in a little bit deeper and I discovered that on November 19th, they announced they were acquiring another company, DJO Global. And this was being acquired for $3.15 billion in cash from private equity. And what they do is they make orthopedic solutions, including devices and software. So I was kind of like, what? <laughs> How does this tied in with air and gas handling products. It doesn't really. So I'm a little bit confused, but it does appear that this company is going in a new direction. This acquisition, they did obtain um, financing for it, which they announced in December that they did obtain um, the loans from other uh, from big banks to make this cash acquisition and that it will be accretive in the first year but they also have been saying they are trying to deleverage and they are trying, it looks like, to sell the air and gas handling business maybe and transform themselves into more of the technology side of 
things. So that's something to watch when you're looking at this. And it could be why the shares were down 47% over the last year. Could be that investors and the street is just a little confused about the direction of this company. So that's why it's dirt cheap. But remember, value stocks, people are running away from value stocks, not towards them. That's why they get cheap for some reason. So let's look at how cheap this one is. It has a PE of 9.3. So that's pretty cheap. It's under 10. It has a peg ratio of 0.6. The price to sales is just 0.7. And the price to book is also 0.7. This one is a Zach's number two, which is the buy. Um, but again, keep in mind that it looks like there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes here, but it might be one you want to keep on your list to watch. Okay, switching over to the second stock, and this is the rail car manufacturer Greenbrier. Ticker is GBX. I did own this one in the value investor portfolio in 2018, but we just couldn't sustain the the downward pressure on this one. Shares are down almost 27% over the last year. It is trading near 52-week lows. It is about to report earnings. So surprisingly, it does not have the number four rank like some companies will get just ahead of earnings report. So this is an early reporter. It reports early in the earnings cycle, and it's a number two right now. So um, it's got that good rank. It, this is a small cap, market cap of just $1.3 billion. It does pay a dividend yielding 2.5% because those shares are down pretty big. So the divvy is a little bit more attractive. But it is still dirt cheap. And I think the street's concerned that in an economic slowdown, people will buy fewer rail cars, obviously, because you're transporting less goods. So they're concerned about all that. But there may be no reason for the concern, right? Because the backlog looks pretty good for Greenbrier, at least going into this next earnings report. So the PE is just 9.1 now. It has the peg of 0.96, so just under one. The price to book ratio is 0.9 and price to sales is just 0.5. So if you're interested in the transports, this is one to kind of keep on your radar as well because it has been beaten down pretty good here. Then the third stock that we're going to look at today is KBR Inc. Ticker is KBR. And they describe themselves as a provider of services and technology in government services and hydrocarbon sectors. So they have customers in 75 countries. Basically, they do a lot of big engineering and consulting in these sectors for like the Defense Department, many government agencies. And in hydrocarbons, they do refining, natural gas, petrochemicals, the drilling. They're also on other commodities like fertilizers. They do some work in those areas too. A lot of these big engineering names are down big. It was down 23% in the last year. Um, still down 52% over the last five years, though. So never really got a rebound in this one. Market cap of $2.1 billion here. So on the small size of the mid caps, so still smaller companies that I'm talking about today. It's a number two, and it also pays a dividend yield of 2.1% now. But it, too, is pretty cheap. P.E. of 10 the peg is 0.95, price to book is just 1.3, and price to sales is 0.5. So all those really cheap classic fundamentals. Um, I didn't include the price to cash flow, even though I did screen for that, but it's low. It's within the screen, the value parameters, too, for that metric. Um, so I didn't look to see if any of these three stocks are value traps. Value trap would be like NVIDIA, where... 
next year's earnings is on the decline. It's not expected to be higher than this year. So I didn't look for that on this screen. We were just screening for the rank and for the um, classic value, but uh, I will be doing other value trap podcasts all uh, year long. So we will be screening for those in future episodes. Given that 2018 was pretty rough, there are a lot of stocks that Wall Street is now shunning. So this is good news for bargain bargain investors. It's time to look around and see what's on sale. And also keep in mind that this next earnings season could be critical. So for like a company like Greenbrier that's about to report, in fact, by the time you're listening to this podcast, it might have already reported because it's very early in 2019. So Take a look at that and see what was said on that earnings conference call because that's going to be key to most of these earnings reports because this is when companies give their guidance for 2019 and what they're seeing. Is business slowing as everybody fears or is it more of the good times and more of the same strong uh, economic growth that we were seeing in 2018. We're about to hear, so definitely tune in. This is maybe one of the more important earnings season in the last year for what kind of information we may get out of that. And remember to look for those companies where analysts are raising. If you can get it into the earnings report, which does occasionally happen, but it's pretty rare. Remember, the analysts don't like to be wrong. So they're only going to raise estimates into an earnings report. Um, only if company releases earning earnings guidance early and, you know, ups their guidance that way, then they'll do it, obviously. Um, or if they're like really sure that something good is going on there and they're raising. So that's a real strong indicator. You might want to look for that if you're interested in what's happening with the earnings estimates, because it does give you a lot of clues about companies. Um, but mostly the analysts will be raising after the earnings report comes in. Look for those companies that obviously beat and raise because that's where the analysts are going to have to raise too, because they're they're going to be a little behind. The Wall Street is pretty gloomy about 2019, but I'm not sure it should be. We're going to find out more, and um, it's good to be using the Zacks rank when you have these uncertain market conditions. So look at those estimates. Okay, let's recap what stocks I talked about. So I briefly mentioned Apple because that is one of the negative stories, although it's a Zach's rank three hold right now. There's a, a mix on the earnings estimates. Yes, some of them have been cut for the full year, but I saw at least one increase there. So there's one analyst who thinks that he or she is a little bit low going into this next earnings report. So Apple is a value stock right now. It wasn't on my list and it didn't make the screen because it's a three. So so we don't have the one or the two, but it's trading at 12 times, which is pretty cheap. Some of the other classic value metrics aren't quite there yet for Apple, but on a PE level, it's got a pretty cheap PE. Um, NVIDIA it's uh, may have some cheaper fundamentals, although its PE is still a little bit elevated. It's not yet in the value area, but it's got those estimate cuts. So it's got the number five uh, rank right now. And then the other three stocks that are the ones or the twos that we talked about are Colfax, CFX is the ticker there, Greenbrier, which is about to report, GBX, 
and then KBR, which is just KBR. So we're in a new year and you want to get all of our podcasts. I hope this one uh, talking about the rank helps you. So in future episodes, when I'm talking about the rank, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know all about what that is. And I understand at least a little bit better how it works. So be sure to check out all of our podcasts this year. You can get us as a standalone program on Apple Podcasts. And we're also on Spotify and you can get the Market Edge plus the Value Investor on the SoundCloud. But be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss a single episode. It's going to be a great investing year with a lot of good information. So be sure to subscribe and I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. 